The Holy God according to Saint the Holy the Gospel of the Lord according to Saint John in the twenty first chapter. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he showed himself in this way. Gathered there together were Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, We will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, you have no fish, have you? They answered him, No. He said to them, Cast the net to the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in, because there were so many fish. The disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes, for he was naked, and jumped into the sea. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, only about a hundred yards off. When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, 153 of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, Who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus had appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your belt and go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. After this, he said to him, Follow me. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. No one will remember the life of Esther Jones for much longer. She lives on briefly in the minds of her two children, their children, and their children as well. When all of those people return to dust, there is a strong likelihood that any trace memories of Esther Jones will do so. 
Maybe she had some friends who survived for years and they continued to tell stories about her. I don't know. But she never served in public office. She never held a steady job outside of child care at the local YMCA. There are no best-selling books or gold medals attributed to her name. Even her physical footprints were limited as she was stricken with polio at a young age, unfortunately, not long before the invention of the vaccine. Yes, when the family of Esther Jones dies, her name will likely be cast aside with the billions like her, those of whom history has decided are not worth remembering in truth or fable. But while she lived, unremarkably to most, she exerted a positive influence on those around her. Esther was a sweet woman, truly a loving person, who never had a bad word to say. She would not even let polio get her down, and she walked with a cane for the longest time possible, using the wheelchair only in the last few years of her life. She would race her grandchildren up the steps to her room by crawling with them, trading the possibility of injury for the smile of a little one which she loved so dear. Most of all, Esther Jones was a devout Christian woman who loved people in the same way that she loved God. My mother described her as the quintessential church lady. And as I, her great-grandson, had the privilege of watching her for the first 18 years of my life, I know that she was the kind of Christian I wanted to be. I've tried to pattern myself like her ever since. Now the apostles lived unremarkable lives, aside from maybe Peter and Judas Iscariot. If I asked you right now to name all 12 apostles, could you do it? Probably not. I mean, could any of you do it? It's, it's okay. I don't know if I could do it, if I'm being honest. Uh, the minor ones are just, they're not really mentioned that often. And they don't really do anything besides just Peter's, you know, Andrew stood here, so-and-so said this, whatever. Uh, there are apocryphal legends attached to their names, and most of them, all of them became martyrs, presumably, aside from John of Patmos, who wrote Revelation. But uh, I've always believed, personally, those kinds of stories are the post-resurrection chest-thumping that the church did to promote martyr culture. Historically, we do not know much about the apostles after the book of Acts. And aside from Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Mary Magdalene, we really don't know much about the rest of Jesus' followers. And yet here we are, worshiping him today, along with billions of our sisters and brothers in Christ on this Sunday morning. So the apostles must have done something, right? Must have done something. Today's gospel lesson is basically a two-part story. Now I'm going to start with the second part first, Peter and Jesus' exchange. Now even in John's gospel, which is decidedly petty and unfair towards Peter, he is still a close friend of Jesus and the would-be leader of the church. He is the rock. Our Roman Catholic sisters and brothers believe him to be the inaugural pope. Peter's exchange with Jesus is part atonement for his thrice-spoken denial and part preparation for being sent into a world to lead, 
whilst being warned of the fate that he is to suffer as a result of spreading the gospel. But these are the consequences in following the leadership footsteps of Jesus, and plenty of powerful leaders in a similar vein have experienced the same fate. So, we're probably not Peter. Esther Jones was not Peter. Not many people are. Whereas in the first part of the gospel, you get a more well-rounded picture of the apostles and the disciples. Jesus makes his third resurrection appearance to them while they are fishing. Apparently, they're not doing a very good job because they haven't caught anything. Yet when Jesus helps them out, they bring in a huge haul, 153 fish total. Now, coincidence? I think not. I think Jesus is using this moment to remind them of their call to spread his gospel to the world. And if they do that, using the gifts and talents they will bring, their return will be great. After all, they already know how to fish. They just needed Jesus' guidance. They don't need to be famous like Peter. They simply need to be themselves and to follow Jesus. Now you are not going to single-handedly change the world. I'm sorry if no one has ever told you that, but it's true. And frankly, there's a lot of selfishness attached to the belief that any one person can change the world, and that we are supposed to be that one person. But, as we learn in John's Gospel today, you can use your God-given gifts, however small, to work with others and to cast a very big net with a great return. In fact, that is exactly what Jesus is asking of his non-Peter followers today, and that is what they go on to do. Not everyone is a Peter or Paul, but Peter and Paul alone did not build the church. This is the church of Christ, and we are the body of Christ, and every single person involved in the church has a hand in this work, even and especially our little ones. It is the Holy Spirit inspiring us and empowering us that enables the change, that gives us the courage to carry the gospel, and that gives us the faith to say that Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. And in that is the beauty of the ministry that we do. You do not have to be someone else other than yourself to follow God. I mean, sure, be moved by the gospel to sin less, love more, speak out on injustice, etc. Those are all good things. You should be changed in that way. But serving God allows for your uniqueness to come through. Even if you can't preach like Paul, you can repair something that's broken in the building. Even if you can't evangelize like Peter, you can share your story with a stranger. Even if you can't witness like Mary, you can witness to your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren like Esther Jones did, and you can change their lives for the better. This resurrection season is a reminder that the risen Christ affirms us for who we are while also changing our lives for the better. In baptism, our sins are washed away and we are made new. And in Easter, we are reminded that as long as we serve in this life, 
We are called to share the gospel until the life to come. We do it together. It takes many hands to bring in a catch of 153 fish. And it takes many voices for the church to grow so that God may be glorified. Yours, mine, and Esther's all make a difference. Jesus died and rose again to promise us that. Amen.